0: This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. And we're here with Dr. Eric Barron, president of Penn State University here in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. There is so much going on. And before we even got started, we were saying how disruption has impacted a lot of different industries already over the last few years. And I feel like it's playing catch up uh, with education and looking at very different uh, uh, aspects. Tell us about when you look at uh, the current um, educational environment at universities, how is it going to be different in five years?
1: Well, you know, I would say one of the things that is of particular significance is the fact that people will change careers and they will need new things. How do they continue to be a student and have access to that information? And so we're looking at this very directly and just to give you an idea Uh, about doing this, we have something called One Penn State 2025. You keep your ID, you keep your student number, you keep your email. And if you were a student in good standing or got a degree, you walk into the portal, sign up for anything you need, there's no transactional time, no need to reapply. And you may go in there and get a micro-credential. Maybe you're an engineer and you decide to get a business minor. Maybe it's because your company is doing something in chemistry and you'd like to have a little bit more chemistry maybe you like the opera and just wanna take take a course. So the whole idea is, let's make it easy. Online, residential, we have 21 campuses. So imagine the difference if you look at someone and say, not goodbye, I hope you have a successful life, but congratulations on that degree, you're still a student, uh, come back anytime."
2: And so. th- that's very appealing in, in many ways, I wonder, when you describe that, whether it changes the whole notion of, and Carol and I both have uh, juniors in high school, so we're thinking yeah. about this all the time, this notion of a four-year degree and, and mm-hmm. going off to school for four years, does that in itself become a little antiquated?
1: Yeah, it it may actually, We we more and more encourage students to become engaged and think about that time uh, even to graduate a little bit more quickly because of the amount of money you save right. these days, education is expensive. So uh, four years, five years, um, if if we, if we do things that enable you not to have roadblocks as you go along, not to make mistakes, we ought to be able to deliver it even faster.
2: Well, you say education is expensive. I think that is an understatement, to True. say the least. I mean, it is... Uh, it, it is breathtaking for many uh, people when they start to consider, you know, even at you know, a state university, h- yeah. how much uh, it can cost. What can be done, what should be done, and what's realistic in terms of bringing the cost down?
1: So literally, we watched with the last recession and the, the sort of clawback of dollars that universities weren't the same part of the public good and the resources were not there. And they, in many cases, didn't even keep up with inflation over years and, and years. And so then the cost come, goes higher and higher, and it's more expensive when you start to consider the laboratories and other things and and the, the, uh, the digital education mm-hmm. needs that you have. So what can you do about it? Well, you can spend a lot of time cutting the budget, and I work hard at that. But the other possibilities are, to think about every roadblock you have. Are you prepared to go to college? So we're incentivizing preparedness. Right. Are you placed in the right course? Or do you take calculus the next course after calculus and you think your calculus was good but it in high school and it wasn't? So you don't do well, you go back and take calculus, then you take the next class. I just spent three semesters on to get to a prerequisite. Um, fast start for a student that has to work too many hours drops too many classes gives up because they can't graduate on time so we've got programs to help a student have summer job scholarship six credits in one summer 12 in another they get the 18 credit head start right and we see that their retention rates are higher their grade points are higher they're dropping classes less frequently And they might graduate in three and a half years when they're a need-based student graduating in five or six and borrowing an enormous amount of money to do it.
0: Well, I do wonder about access and equality in terms of access to good universities and colleges, you know, like yourself. Um, How do we make sure it is more equal? Are we doing the right? way because i do feel like something's out of whack at this point there's yeah. a lot of money coming to schools we have you know huge endowments and yet you know as we know with the college admission scandal there's a lot of you know games kind of going on and,
1: seems. and frankly i worry that it's it's going to get worse if you go back a decade mm. or so we have seven states for which the majority of their high school graduates were federally defined as need-based mm. today we have more than 20 states that are in that category so you're looking at an enormous population that doesn't have the capacity to pay. So if we don't have this reinstituted as part of the public good, how are we going to help that, that group advance and really contribute to the, the economy? So we are going to have to have a lot of programs that we work on uh, to do to enable that student. Penn State also has 21 locations. So we have catchment areas that allow you to live at home, Mm. And in living at home, keep your summer job and save a significant portion of the cost as well as discounted tuition. And this enables that those campuses are about 40% Pell eligible students.
0: And we're here with Dr. Eric Barron, president of Penn State University here in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. So Dr. Barron, one thing I want to ask you about is we just uh, got a ruling here crossing the Bloomberg, a story about Harvard defeating uh, an anti-affirmative action groups lawsuit to stop the school from using race as a factor uh, in admissions. We're expecting this to go all the way to the Supreme Court. What do you think about that?
1: Well, so we'll have to watch to see how how it, how, how it evolves, of course, we are constantly evaluating our admissions to make sure that we're, we're being as even as we possibly can, that we have strong criteria that bring in an academic class that's strong. But at the same time, we value uh, the diversity of the class. Um, you it's know, part of the di- educational experience, is it? It's part not? of the educational experience. We always know that if you have a diverse class, it's a richer experience. And, and as a public, we feel like we have an obligation to to teach the students of America, mm. and so that means you, if you're doing your job, you have a diverse class. So you're constantly looking at this without introducing something that appears to add a bias that that is inappropriate. So it's not an easy job, and these. Court cases become very important in making sure that we analyze what we do and do it right. When you think
2: about the Varsity Blues scandal, what's the real impact in terms of behavior changing either on the part of parents or on the part of the institution?
1: Well, I'll tell you, if someone is punished as severely as some of the people are being punished, I do think that puts a chilling effect yes. on, on attempting to to buy your, your way in. Um, my personal feeling is that any time something happens where we trust higher education less this is a this is a bad thing and you know we work so hard to make sure that there's not a favoritism that that you can't do it from political influence or donor influence and that it's based on the credentials just think how unsuccessful it is for a student if they come in below the academic requirements right. of the university and then fail uh, that's a terrible experience for a student. So, you know, the trust is important, but the success of the student is even more important.
0: But it, I think it's safe to say that I think there was an understanding that some of this always went on. The Varsity Blue scandal kind of took it to a whole other level. Um, but there has been always an understanding um, that, you know, we look at, you know, uh, kids of alumni who maybe have made donations. Right. There is a little bit of that always present
1: mm-hmm. so it might be that you would look at an alum and say we're more likely to yield that student and so that's a, that's a good thing because you your efforts in recruiting students might be stronger but it is a mistake to bring in a student who doesn't match up with the rest of the class it has to be it's, both it's just a mistake
2: it yeah. has to be at least and how much will do well how much has the expectation changed this actually came up on a college tour we had over the weekend it in terms of producing a student who is absolutely ready for a job and really trained for a job and not in a position where they come out from a prestigious institution like yours and say, well, I'm going to sort of figure out what I, what I do next. It feels like there's more pressure on students and candidly from parents based on the investment that
1: they're making. You know, it changes with generations where some are more relaxed about or, or, or less relaxed about it. I like to think about uh, training people for a career, mm-hmm. giving them that breadth that is there and that opportunity and the ability to be a lifelong learner. Those things make a tremendous amount of difference. We know the more experiences a student has outside of the classroom. Hmm. They have much greater success in careers than in other cases, and they're building a resume. So
0: internships and things like that.
1: Internships, study abroad, Mm -hmm. one-on-one interaction with the faculty members. Consistently, these students do better and are are more ready for, for jobs Because I
0: always do wonder about what's the balance of, I think, you know, part of what's great about going to college is you're just given an opportunity to explore different things that you might not have, right? And yep. maybe just <laughs> learn how to think. Uh, so whatever comes your way versus, you know, it's like people who used to, you had teachers who taught to SATs and achievement tests, which we've oh. now realizing isn't such a good thing. So what's the balance between...
1: So this this is what I say. You come to Penn State, it it's not inexpensive you purchased a blue and white sports car if you just go to class you're driving at 20 miles an hour Mm. if you put you should put that sports car through its paces and that's 1200 clubs that you can experiment with things that you've never done that sets of classes and opportunities with interact with faculty that's the out-of-classroom experience service learning or something else that transforms what your educational experience is so And we know those students are more successful. I think we have an obligation not just to say, here's your course, but here's what you can do to really make. And literally, there are surveys out there that suggest the more engaged you are as a student, the happier you are for the rest of your life, regardless of income or age. Hmm. So I think we have to do this. It's just not delivering curriculum only anymore.
2: All right. Uh, what a treat for us to thank catch you. up with you. We really appreciate the time. Dr. Eric Barron is the president of Penn State University. And I'm just going to say it. He's got a 4-0 football team. A <laughs> lot of uh, expectations, high expectations. No and pressure. I'm also going to put out there that when he was the president of Florida State, they won a national championship. <laughs> I'm so just going to put it out there. Anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.